isn't, um, well, I could go through what collectively, what we could get rid of. I think we all know uh, personally and what our own lives, the things of, oh, we don't need this. Do we have too many clothes? Is our house too big? Do we have that TV? Did it need to be that big? Those are the things you're, the Lord will convict you in your own way and the things that are you. This isn't about um, looking at those specifics unless the, the Lord leads you that way um, because I'm not qualified to do any of those things because only you know um, your life. So let's do a journey together. And that's what this is about, is being a journey together. Because Jesus promised that I came to bring life and life to its fullness. Maybe did he bring to bring life in all the many things that we could fill our lives with? I don't think it was that one. I think it's life to the full. But it's the life of Jesus and the fullness of his life in us. Um, and I want us to, before we read the passage here, which is from Philippians... I want us to consider context. So when we hear Paul's words, let's hear him as he was. These are strong, but Paul's strength didn't come from chains because he would have been likely bound to a Roman soldier, which is why he talked about the Roman centurions and the Roman were, were with him in terms of they knew that he was chained for Christ. Does anyone find this as a source of contentment? No, not, not I. So he was potentially in house arrest. And in, in house arrest or prison, it's not clear, but he at least had the ability to, to write. Um, but the point of being when he was writing, um, you had, he had to fend for himself. And that didn't mean he could go out and go wherever he wanted. He was completely dependent on others to provide him food, resources, and all the things that he needed. He was, for lack of a better word, helpless. So when we read Philippians and read shortly, um, he was going to be warmed by when Epaphroditus showed up. And Epaphroditus was his friend from Philippi to bring a gift from the Philippian church. The Philippian church that had followed him and blessed him and guided him along the way in different ways. But you know what warmed his heart? It wasn't the gift. It was the fact that that church gave a gift when they were being persecuted, and when they were poor. Maybe not unlike the two mites from the, uh, the widow. Now, maybe that's more of an extreme example, but the point being, they gave out of their poverty. And what warmed Paul's heart is the fact they're driven by the gospel of Christ. That's why we're saints today, and that's the, get, the place that we're, we're starting at. So with that context, that Paul's in chains, let's read Philippians 10. It's on page 1181. If you're reading from the Bible, it should be over here as well. Um, but let's read. Um, chapter 4, verse 10 to the end. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned for me, but you have had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So two things stand out for me. Um, the first is Paul speaking of that I can be content in all things. So he was content in his situation with nothing, but also with everything. So we're clear, there is no condemnation to having a lot of things or having nothing. In neither place is there an issue. Paul is speaking of his heart. So actually you can have a lot of things. That is okay. But if those things chain you down, if those things are bondage to you, if those things actually hold your heart and keep it from Jesus, that's, that's the issue that Paul wants to poke. Again, Paul wasn't necessarily where he wanted to be. He didn't have the freedom to make his own choices. He was in a place where, again, he was dependent on others. He was persecuted for loving Christ. He was scoffed at for loving Christ. And he was beaten for loving Christ. So that's the place that we are with Christ. Um, but that's the place of contentment that Paul had. And that's the place of contentment that Jesus wants for each of us. The special situation that we are each in. So personally, when it comes to this, that if I look at possessions and other things, my behavior, I love Christ. I love him. I also like to be comfortable. So what does that say about my beliefs? What does that say about my relationship with Jesus? The things that we have and what we do, again, I have no business to speak of the things that we need to do with possessions. What I can only look at is my heart and saying, what is my life? If I walk through my house, if I walk through, drive the car, or wherever I go, what is my life, what does your life speak of your relationship with Jesus Christ? We spoke of the rugged cross. We spoke of the freedom that we have in Christ. We spoke of the shame that's been taken away, the sin that's been taken away? Do we live that life that says it's gone and I have now true freedom? What possessions did Paul have? He could have had, I don't know actually, but I do know he had two things for sure from this. He knew the love of Jesus Christ and he knew the fellowship of other Christians because while he was often alone, he couldn't do it alone. And so as we look in this, 
Paul then speaks of the second thing. The second impression is I can then, it's a secret, it's a secret, it's a secret that everybody can know. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This makes you think, what does to be strengthened by Christ look like? What is being strengthened by our Savior, our God, actually look like? Think about that. I'm going to get back to that, that commented about but think about what does for you personally to be strengthened by christ actually look like and before we do that i'd like to take a little short walk and i'd like to walk with somebody who knows who i might be walking with one worship one person we worship here who, who do we worship jesus let's do a walk with jesus what are the things that he said about possessions to the rich man he told him He needs only one more thing to do, to sell all his possessions and give them to the poor. To another, he said, the son of man has no place to lay his head. To another, he said, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God in money. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Sometimes really harsh, sometimes very difficult. Sometimes the bar was so high that it can't be gone over. But I think he was very personal to each and every person that approached him. To Mary and Martha, we have no evidence that he said anything that they needed to give up. I could be completely wrong, but I believe he didn't. He may not have said that because he knew where their heart was. To those that he spoke with, maybe to you, maybe to me, maybe to others, he was speaking to their heart. And that's what Paul's speaking as well, to our heart. Where is our heart with Jesus? Is there any barrier? Is there anything holding back? Is there anything holding on to more than else? We don't do simplicity for simplicity's sake. It has no meaning without Jesus. It has no meaning without understanding where our heart is. Have as much or as little as you like. But if something impedes your heart, chains you, keeps you bound up where you're not content, if the stock market suddenly just dropped 20%, does your heart go, oh, I didn't didn't like that. I feel uncomfortable. I can't support myself in the future. Where does that go? I've done that. What does that look like? But I want to summarize, this isn't to, to challenge you to do something. What it's challenging is to look at, is your heart, where is Jesus in your heart? Is he your treasured possession? Because I believe that's the root of the question to everybody that he responded to is, am I your treasured possession? And I want to reference one more passage because there's an element of the law that happened in that bit. And then when the church started, Acts 2, they were in awe of Christ. Somehow, they were in awe of Christ and they believed. And you know what? There's, it says no, nothing about that they commanded that they had to let go of their possessions. They had, out of the awe of seeing Christ, out of the awe of what he has done, they actually then shared their possessions with everybody. There was not a single need in the church. Can you believe that church? 
They did it out of the love of God. There was nothing that said, you must do this. There was no law that told them. It was the saying, I've seen the living God, and I know that he is real. And this world, well, as beautiful as it is, it has no purpose, it has no power, it has no authority, it has no life, it has no truth, it has no reality without the reality that Jesus Christ is the only reality. And when they realize that, I, I, don't, I don't need these. Where they slept and how they did, I have no idea. I'd want to know, did all the houses just go? Were they just outside? I have no idea. Maybe they had some houses. The point being is the love of God guided their actions, and that demonstrated who Jesus was in their lives by their actions and by their choices. Is there anyone in need in our church today? I don't know. Could be. Probably. Does our church today look like the broader church? Look like what we had there? Only you can know in your interactions with yourself, but also with others, because we can't do this alone. Neither could Paul do it alone, nor can we. We need to depend on each other and figure out how we can help each other to challenge each other, to love each other, to build our lives and to build his church. But it's by God and by his spirit, not by us. But by our actions show the love. And it actually talks about when we love each other with that love, the love that comes from Christ, we're all changed. And those that are not quite inside the church will look in and say, that's the love I've been looking for. So let's go back to the passage where um, the secret, the secret from Paul, that's not really a secret for everybody to know. Christ strengthened him. So while this chain is strong enough, I live next to a garage, can pick up a car, you know, a ton or two, um, it's strong in itself, but it gives me no strength. Jesus strengthens us, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Paul speaks of he had no strength in his own uh, capabilities, his own life, his own credentials, his own possessions. He had no strength. And he was ultimately executed for his love of God, a love of Christ. And whatever possessions he did have, they went. For those that have lost a loved one, those that there's death, that the family member or the loved one were probably the first to say, I don't want the possessions, I want who I've lost. And there's pain and there's loss. You see the value of possessions which really drift away. So where is our heart today? The key to this passage is simply knowing and believing and experiencing the strength of Christ working in our lives. He is the Son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our salvation. He is the beginning. He is the end. And He's everything in the middle. Do our lives reflect that? He gave us purpose, and now we're free from having our possessions possessing us because we are his treasured possession. So thus, Christ can give us strength by knowing him, by believing in him, and experiencing him.
The strength of Christ is knowing that he had no possessions, but he also never had a need. The strength of Christ is knowing that he is the embodiment of God's love. The strength of Christ is knowing that when we share together communion, the Eucharist together, when we meet together as one body, when we share in the one bread and the, the blood of Christ, that we can commune with God because of what he has done. The strength of Christ is knowing that even if he doesn't calm the storm, he'll be right there with you in it. He's with you in the crying He's with you in the weakness. But he wants you to share it with him. Seek his strength. Seek his face. When we know who Jesus is, we live for him. And when we live for him, we look more like him. And when we look more like him, our lives will be transformed. And the power of anything else is broken because we demonstrate that he is our treasured possession. If you find your possessions are possessing you, then look to your beliefs. Who do you really believe the Son of God is? Who do you really believe Jesus the Christ is? And turn to him. So what does simplicity of possessions look like? For you, I don't know. For me, I know it looks back to the awe of who Christ is and letting the other things slowly drift away so that I'm compelled to live like Jesus is my only true treasured possession. God bless you. Amen.